the great Facebook purge, the great YouTube crash. Is this really the end of the world? DNA test results. A bunch of other crap that we have to go over for this week. So get ready and tighten your seatbelt. Because this is Fritzcast. Good morning, afternoon, and or evening, whenever you may be tuning into this. I don't even know when I'm going to upload it, because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like lying to you. I really don't. I normally post this up on Fridays. Uh, The last two weeks I've recorded them on Thursdays, and I just uploaded them on Thursday. Right now, presently, in this very moment, right here, right now, it is Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. If I put it up on Friday, it'll be what? The, the um, Did I say the 18th? Nope, I just went back and listened to it. I definitely said the 17th. Uh, see, this is what happens. I've had one morning cup of coffee with just a hint of Irish cream. So I'm still getting my brain processing. Bear with me. I'm a human being, damn it. I'm not some NPC meme. Okay, we'll t- we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so it's Wednesday, October 17th. Screw it. I'll probably upload it today. Why not? Um, so we could just skip the rest of it. By the way, thank you. Big shout out and thank you to my friends at Sarcasm and Liberty. You guys uh, boosted my listens this week for sure. My last two episodes, uh, the last week's episode was Civility, or titled Civility, and... Uh, I had a, a larger number of hits uh, on SoundCloud and my iTunes for it, and uh, I appreciate I appreciate the outreach. Uh, when you guys like or share one of the one of the tracks, it's actually amazing. I can watch the numbers really go from my baseline, and I can watch them whew, skyrocket, and it's it's really cool to see it and uh, to and to watch that little bump come up. So last week's episode was civility. I put out new uh, a new Fritzcast. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Logo. It's like album art cover, really, but I'm not cutting albums or nothing. I'm not doing anything that special. Uh, so we have a new Fritzcast logo with uh, Lady Liberty featured, rather than the Eagle. for For the last couple of months, it's been the Fritzcast Eagle. Now it's uh, the Fritzcast uh, Lady Liberty. So that episode definitely had jump ups and listens, and so did the episode prior to that, uh, Lord Beer Me Strength, which was wrapping up the, uh, the talking about uh, Judge Kavanaugh. It was actually right before he was confirmed, and then I said I would never talk about him again unless we were talking about beer. So And so, uh, honestly, he still comes up in conversation a lot because beer is important. Speaking of, I tried a very delicious beer from Evil Genius Brewing Company this past week. Uh, just a little beer called uh, Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yeah, it was a chocolate peanut butter uh, porter. Uh, some people might be saying, oh my god, that sounds disgusting. It sounds like a beer that maybe only Fritz would drink, and you would be right. Uh, it is. Evil Genius Brewing Company puts out if if you're wondering like why do they call it purple monkey dishwasher that's the that's the most ridiculous name i ever heard it's because evil genius brewing company does uh pop culture references as their beer name so they have one that's called like hashtag adulting they have i love lamp they have shut up meg that it's it's epic 
It's epic. Who wouldn't want to buy a case of I Love Lamp? Who wouldn't? Because if, if, you, if you know somebody who wouldn't, they're probably not human. They're probably NPC, if you know what I mean. More on NPC later. Trying to think of any other topics I want to touch up on before we get into, you know, the craziness of the world and everything. Within the last week, uh, the Sarcasm and Liberty team had a, had a great live stream on the Church of Trump about a Twitter account that they started up. Uh, as John Ziegler calls the concept, the Church of Trump, uh, John Ziegler, his podcast, uh, The World According to Zieg, which if you don't listen to it, I highly recommend you do. It is a very different podcast and a very different perspective that you're, that you're really not going to get on the mainstream you really aren't going to get something similar to that, uh, and you're not going to get somebody similar to, to John Ziegler. He calls the Church of Trump, he calls the, the Trump devotees, he calls them the Cult 45, which he actually, he admits he stole it from some other guy. And he actually interviewed that guy on his podcast, I do believe. I could I could be wrong, but I believe that is correct. I listen to so many podcasts all the time anyway that I can't keep some of that information straight. So if you're, if you're looking for me to reference an episode uh, down to a timestamp, it's not going to happen. Uh, not going to happen. Move along. These aren't the droids you're looking for. But before I get carried away, yes, sarcasm and liberty. If you go on YouTube, which is not in limbo anymore, <laughs> let's start there. Last night on my Twitter account, um, mind you, I was at work, but... I had my little Twitter account pulled up, and I saw a flood of people talking about how YouTube was down. <laughs> it just, like, disappeared. You tried to go on YouTube, nothing worked anywhere. Complete and total blackout. And people were freaking out. People were legitimately freaking out about YouTube uh, being inaccessible for a little while. Now, I don't know about you guys, but last night it hit me, it occurred to me. I have YouTube on my phone. Yes, I have a YouTube app on my television. Even have quick links to YouTube uh, on on this computer for the podcast. That's all true. You know how often I actually use YouTube, though. Like it's it's surprisingly not often. Surprisingly not often at all. If I pull up my phone right now, thanks to Apple's little, you know time screen check YouTube is probably down there in the amount of times I've accessed it screen time that's what it's called uh let's see right now the the bulk of my the bulk of my screen time usage is uh social media uh as it stands right now for this week and this was starting on Sunday, maybe. Uh, most of my time has been logged on Facebook. Messages, uh, because me and my wife exchange check, text messages all the live long day until I go to work. I can't have my phone at work, so... Uh, that that These numbers might be a little bit skewed. I don't know. Uh, but then, my, my next highest log is Twitter. Then, finally, YouTube. And uh, that's only because I've been on an uptick on YouTube this morning finding clips that I wanted to use in the show, for the show. 
especially because I, I'm recording the clips a little differently for the show now, where I my computer program uh, got a little garbled. So for some for some reason, when I record it, it'll sound like it's like in this little. It's, it sounds like it's in a tin can, like there's an echo, and I don't like it. So uh, I skip it. I have this little Bluetooth speaker now, and I just record it that way <laughs> because because it's easier. I could buy a soundboard and all this equipment and be all fanciful and hold my pinky out. But uh, as of right now, this is a low-budget production show. It still works, though. <laughs> it still works out. So so people were freaking out about that. But you can go on YouTube and you can actually catch the Sarcasm and Liberty live stream on the Church of Trump, which is an amazing conversation about the die-hard MAGA people, the, that, that 30%... <laughs> That just Trump can do no wrong. Trump really could shoot a man on 34th Street and uh, or whatever street it was. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Yes, yes, Fifth Avenue. And, and he boasted about how loyal his voters are. That just means your voters are stupid. That just, I mean, literally, if you kill a man and your voters don't care, that just means they're stupid. Or they don't have morals. Or they just don't care. Not Not really a good... Point in your favor, but, you know, we've had a lot of this point-making going on in, in our news media by our politicians lately that, that just doesn't do anything for anybody anyway. Uh, looking at you, Elizabeth Warren. See, this was the big story yesterday, on Tuesday. The big story was that Elizabeth Warren took a DNA test because if you don't know the legacy or the saga behind all this, it was because Elizabeth Warren has trotted around claiming that she has Native American heritage. Something that, like, I don't know, uh, 90%, 95% of white Americans have in their blood. They have some trace amount of Native American DNA. And... I'm I'm trying to figure out how to tackle this line by line. Uh, let's start off with this. I want to start off by qualifying this. Reading into Native American history is fascinating. Because for the longest time, when I thought about historicity, or, or historical events or anything... It seems to me that like prior to the 1800s or the 1700s you think of the world population as not being that big. I don't know why I felt that way, but then when I first read up on Native American culture and history and learned that there was literally millions upon millions of Native American Indians, I was dumbfounded. I was, I was, whoa. Are you, are you kidding me? Because, you know, it, the way that it's painted in history class is that, you know, oh, the pilgrims came over and they had the first Thanksgiving with these guys they found living in the woods. That's 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 the history book lesson, isn't it? We sat down and we had a nice little powwow. We had a nice little Thanksgiving. Things were cushy. Then we started killing them all. We said to all the Native Americans, of which there was five, it's, it's sad. But, yeah, I mean, think about it. It wasn't cushy. Uh, the Europeans came over and colonized and said, hey, this is our land, all right? By the way, you could probably thank King George a little bit for some of that. Um, 
He was a bloody tyrant. I don't know if you knew. We fought a giant war against him. And we uh, uh, unsuspectingly whooped that ass. And here we are today. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we came in and we, we came in. The Indians were here. Uh, we, we we drove them out. Uh, we We bought up all this land in Oklahoma. And we said, hey. We got this great place for you out west in Oklahoma. It's great. It's like the new promised land. Uh, if Moses were alive today, he would lead his people there. Uh, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's the dead of winter time. You should probably start walking that way. Here's some smallpox blankets, and uh, you have fun with that. That that's what happened. All right. So Native American history, where did you know? Was it fair? No, it, it wasn't really fair. It wasn't really fair. I hate when white, progressive, social justice warriors talk about it, though. Because they talk about it so matter-of-factly as if the Native American culture in, in America wasn't divided amongst multiple tribes and that, you know, the tribes did war against each other. It wasn't all hunky-dory, PC, you know, and hippie. It wasn't some storybook fantasy fairy tale, and it's you know it's fun. I've been talking to some native people on like Twitter and and all that. Been trying to broaden my horizons, try to get perspective of the actual Native Americans, which is coming into play later here in a minute. Uh, but so we have all that. Then you have Elizabeth Warren, who for a good portion of her life tried to use that, like you know I have Native American and you know heritage and history and all that. Okay, I mean, so does, like I said, like 90% of white America. Uh, because if you think about all that shit that we did to them back back when we started colonizing, uh, everybody might have a little bit of Indian in them because there was a lot of raping and pillaging going on. I know, it's crazy. It happened hundreds of years ago, though. Just let's speak honestly about it. What, what was done to the Indians wasn't right. That was how life was back then, though. There was a lot of that going on here, there, everywhere. At just point somewhere on the globe, there was there was warfare going on over land, over resources. That's that's human history. Okay, we're a little bit better than that now, aren't we? We're, we're, we are a tad better than we used to be. Not not by much, though, but but just a... a Muxdinen. Okay, you're drunk. I am a Muxdinen drunk. Okay, so there's that bit. There's the bit that Elizabeth Warren was trotting around talking about how she had Native American heritage. Donald Trump, okay, then wanted to come out, and Donald Trump, this is nothing new, we all know this, Donald Trump's a schoolyard bully. He, he makes stupid names. He just called Stormy Daniels horse face. Horse face. Horse face. Not horse face. Horse face. Okay, what a horse face. You're the one who had sex with her. What, I mean, what, what, what are you talking... First off, you have Donald Trump knocking Stormy Daniels for having a horse face. You're the one who paid her to fuck. Okay? You did that. You did it. You infidelitous bastard. <laughs> you did it. That's number one. Stormy Daniels then comes out and talks about Trump's shortcomings. Honey, you fucked Trump. You did it. Willingly. You weren't forced. It wasn't at gunpoint. There was no pressure in that situation. You just had sex with Donald Trump. 
So you can talk about his shortcomings all you want. You're kind of knocking yourself. I don't, I don't get it, all right? Anyway, sorry for the inappropriateness and the tirade and the breakoff. Bringing it back around. Trump's a schoolyard bully. He calls people stupid names. Lion Ted. Lion Ted. You know, Beto O'Rourke, or should I rather say Robert Francis O'Rourke, cited Trump last night in his debate against Ted Cruz, which I didn't watch. I don't care to watch. I'm not in Texas. I don't care. I don't care. But Robert Francis O'Rourke last night used Donald Trump as a defense. He said, Donald Trump calls Ted Lion Ted, and it's because Ted is a liar. Well, that means if you vote for Beto O'Rourke, if we use the logic that is being placed in, in, in today's standards, Beto O'Rourke then validated Trump. Do you really want to vote for that? <laughs> Do you? That's, it's insanity, okay? But that's what Trump does. So he calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. I don't really, I don't get it. It doesn't really make any sense. It's not really a disparaging term, but I get it. He was calling her Pocahontas. And then people started calling her Focahontas. And she kept saying, no, I have Native American DNA. I have Native American DNA. Then she makes this big political ad where she goes to a world-class, reputable DNA analyst who then gives the results of whether or not Elizabeth Warren has Native American DNA in her DNA, which she does. She has a very minuscule trace amount of Native American ancestry, probably having a direct Native American ancestor some something like six to ten generations ago. And people want to talk about, well, don't feed Trump in doing it. Well, what, what, she fed Trump in doing it. Why? Why would you continue to do something and then try to validate your feelings on it, coming out and saying, you know, I took a DNA test and it shows that I uh, am one one thousand twenty fourth Native American. You have Native American blood, yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do. With being a Native American. It doesn't have anything to do with the culture. And I've found, if you look this up from Native Americans, they're sick of it. They're sick of people like Elizabeth Warren trotting around talking about their Native American ancestry because it's in their bloodline. That's like, you know, I'm I'm near 50% Irish, but I can't just trot on into Ireland and talk about all the rights that I have as an Irish citizen. Now, my favorite part about all of it is that the Cherokee Nation came out and they had something to say about it. This is exactly what they said, in fact, uh, via Jake Tapper on CNN. Tonight, the leaders of the Cherokee Nation are speaking out against Senator Elizabeth Warren's campaign video touting her Native American ancestry courtesy of a newly revealed DNA test. The tribe saying in part, quote, a DNA test is useless to determine tribal citizenship. Out front now, the Secretary of State for the Cherokee Nation Chuck Hoskin, Jr., uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Why do you find this offensive? Well, Jake, thanks for having me on. The problem with the DNA test is that it proves nothing of relevance to whether a person is a citizen of an Indian nation, a member of an Indian nation. DNA, at best, can give you some indicators of some markers that uh, indicate that you're related to somebody who lived long ago that may have lived in North and South America, may have been a native peoples of those continents. Um, it's irrelevant to what it means to be a Native American in this country. That's, that's, the base, that's based on a legal definition. Certainly, every tribe has that 
in common that we have some legal basis for our citizenship that we determine consistent with federal treaties. Just wholly unhelpful uh, for any national leader to uh, cling to DNA to determine uh, or to establish that they're Native American in this country. Boom. That's all I care about. That's all I matter. That, that matters to me. The Native American tribes are coming out and saying DNA tests are bullshit in this sense. Please stop trying to exploit us even further than you already have and trying to act like you understand Native American issues in America when you don't. So why would... That's my thing to Elizabeth Warren. And I don't... You know, I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. I don't agree with a lot of her policy stances. When we're talking about progressive politics and the progressive movement talking about how the Bernie Sanders of the world, you know, college should be tuition free. Everybody should go to college for uh, at tuition free so that they can get their degree. I believe, and I've said it time and again, you're circumventing the problem. Okay, the problem isn't to get everybody off to college to get a college degree because guess what? Bachelor's degrees are, are quickly becoming useless in this world to the point of where they want, you know, master's degrees. And then guess what? You're, you're pushing everybody to try to get a master's degree. And then everybody has a master's degree and nobody cares about master's degrees anymore. It's been a progressive shift that we need to get away from this whole idea of the public education system. Different discussion for a different time because I'll get ahead of myself. But I judge Elizabeth Warren not on whether she was... She could have came out 100% Native American. Do not care. Think her policies are trash. That's how people should be taking things. Not this identity politics route. This identity politics route of, you know, I'm special because I have Native American blood. Like, we're all people. We're all human beings. But we can't help ourselves. We, we cannot help ourselves. And I usually slam the Democrats for it, but I'm just going to slam the political system of America with it because that's just, it, it, it bothers me. It bothers me that everybody is cool and wants this type of division where we consider not people, but we consider white men, white women, black men, black women, Latino men, Latino women, gay people, transgender people, gender nonconforming people. Like, we want everything split apart. And we say that there's no accurate representation of these people. Like, we're all people. We were all people. All right? Shoot one of us, we're dying. We're dying the same. If I get shot in the chest, I'm not dying any slower or faster than the next person regardless of their cultural background, their race, their sex, their gender identity, none of that. Conservative or liberal or Democrat or libertarian or anarchist or whatever. 
shoot somebody in the chest, they're still dying. Strip away their skin, they're just a pile of bones. And I can't I can't wrap my brain around that division of it. But one last take on the Warren thing. I, I rather like Greg Gutfeld's take. I just want to play a little clip from Greg Gutfeld. <laughs> so her Native American ancestry may date back six to ten generations. She's potentially one one thousandth and twenty fourth Indian, which is zero point zero nine percent. Using such standards, I'm Asian, which is why I can't get into Harvard. So no wonder she had to rely on sentiment and victimhood. But this really isn't about history, but her story and fixing it because it's a mess. Did she or did she not list herself as a minority in law school directories when it suited her, then removed it when it didn't? It's not about her background. It's about cheating. She's a white woman of vast European ancestry who went to the buffet of identity politics and took seconds, then thirds. Warren is Native American because she said so. She wins the 2018 Rachel Dolezal Award. So if we all do the same test as hers and find similar percentages, aren't we also eligible to claim the experiences of an oppressed group and their past grievances too? Her results now become the standard for anyone choosing a past that offers an edge, who can now skip ahead in admissions or jobs in places where diversity trumps experience. And so DNA tests become the new affirmative action, but at whose expense? Maybe no one, because if we're all a little oppressed, we're all good. Goodbye identity politics. If everyone is a minority, then nobody is. Uh, this is an interesting fact from uh, Michael Aaron. Uh, Aris? What's his name? Aaron's. Uh, from a GOP spokesman. Mm -hmm. Danny, he used the New York Times sourcing. The average European American is 0.18. So the average European American is actually more Native American than, than she, she is. is. <laughs> But again, identity politics, why was it even a concern? Why stoop down to Donald Trump's level? I, if I had any respect for Elizabeth Warren, I would have lost it after that ad because it just played into it and it tried to fight against it when it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Listen, Donald Trump isn't presidential material. He is well below the office of the president. Well below these, the, 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 this attempt at taking him on on that, it's a futile effort. Just, just give it up. Just give it up. But uh, honestly, this stuff isn't going away. We have 2018 midterm elections coming up in, in a few short weeks, which the next, the next couple weeks are going to be madness uh, over everything with this Beto O'Rourke stuff. Why do I keep saying better? It's Robert Francis O'Rourke. That's 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 what his name is, and it's Rafael Cruz, not not Ted Cruz. But it's stupid. That's stupid too. That goes more into identity politics and and ridiculousness that I don't want to get into. But what I do want to get into is now the 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 fight that we're gonna have over our relationship with Saudi Arabia, uh, because. If you missed the news, if you've been hiding, living under a rock, or, or what have you, something significant happened uh, in, in Saudi Arabia. Reading from TheGuardian.com right now, uh, the journalist, Jamal Kaskogi, uh, which I might be saying his name wrong, I haven't watched too much television on the matter uh, because of my work schedule, so I've been reading more about it, um, 
proclaimed dissident journalist was killed minutes after he arrived at a building in Istanbul to pick up marriage paperwork on October 2nd, according to U.S. and Turkish press reports of what the officials said were audio recordings that prove he was beaten, drugged, then brutally killed and dismembered. On Tuesday, Donald Trump defended Saudi Arabia in the face of mounting allegations that Riyadi was involved in the Saudi journalist's killing. The Wall Street Journal, citing Turkish officials who had heard the recording, said Kaskagi was allegedly killed and dismembered in the office of the Saudi Consul General, Mohammed al-Atabi, who was in the room at the time. A voice on the recording can be heard inviting him to leave. The report said, Salal Mohammed al-Tubagi, a Saudi military forensics official, is reportedly heard putting on headphones to listen to music as he begins to dismember the body and encourages other people in the room to do the same. Now, if you don't know who Jamal Kaskagi is, um, he's a Saudi Arabian journalist, author, and former general manager and editor-in-chief of Al-Arab News Channel. Uh, he also served as a Saudi Arabian newspaper, Al-Watan, turning it into a platform for Saudi Arabian progressives. Uh, right now... It's pretty pretty much well determined that he's dead, that uh, that he was killed in Istanbul at the Saudi Arabian consulate in the same room with Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and he was a dissenter against the Saudi Arabian-led intervention in Yemen, which has been going on, uh, by the way. Since about 2015, uh, it's been a terrible humanitarian crisis in Yemen, uh, a war, if you will. And by the way, uh, we have been on the block for selling weapons to Saudi Arabia for about the past three years. Something that Rand Paul has talked about consistently. Speaking of Rand Paul, let's go to the sound bite. All right, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee member Rand Paul on that. Senator, what uh, your colleague was saying was the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman, has to go. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's coming around to take a tougher line on Saudi Arabia. For over a year now, I've been trying to get Congress to be sending more arms to Saudi Arabia, and so far, Lindsay's been on the other side of that. Uh, it's important to remember that Saudi Arabia is the largest state sponsor of radical Islam. They fund tens of thousands of madrasas around the world, Pakistan, India, Indonesia, Philippines, all teaching hatred of America. They've been doing this for decades. They're not our friends. Um, and then look at what they're doing in Yemen. It's a catastrophe, a humanitarian disaster. So this latest episode with killing the journalist is just proof, you know, that we need not to be arming them. Well, you know, you wonder then if we take apart the deal that we scored with the Saudis last year, $110 billion worth, the president was arguing, um, they'll just go to the Chinese, they'll just go to the Russians, whether it's this crown prince involved actually, in running things or not. What do you think? Actually, we have extraordinary leverage over them. It's been reported that their Air Force can't go a couple of months without spare parts. Their Air Force is entirely U.S. planes. They're dependent on us for parts, mechanics. They're entirely dependent on us. They can't last months without our help. So we have the entire leverage in 
we tell them absolutely we are not going to do business with a government that chops up journalists, puts them in little bags, and then escorts them out of an empty and dumps them somewhere. Which is what all signs are showing, that they showed up in this consulate in Istanbul where he was, killed him, chopped him up, threw him in a bunch of bags, and drove him out of there. Because when he showed up, moments later, a van pulled up with people exiting the van full of luggage and suitcases that they then promptly left with not even an hour later, if that. Now Turkey is saying that they have proof that it took seven minutes to kill him, that they chopped him up. And this is what we're talking about. And then when I'm talking about the arms sales to Saudi Arabia, that, that, that is, that's old news, dollface. Here's Rand Paul's address about Saudi Arabia and the war in Yemen from last year, 2017. How bad is it in Yemen? 17 million people live on the edge of starvation. Some, like Ali, have already died. What are people saying about it? They say that the humanitarian crisis in Yemen may be worse than Syria. Let me repeat that, because nobody in America is listening to this. Everybody's paying attention to some silly show trials and silly stuff going on in committees. Nobody's talking about this at all. They say it is worse than Syria. Millions of people have fled Syria. Hundreds of thousands have died. And people are now predicting Yemen may be worse. One refugee group said this, that the impending famine in Yemen may reach biblical proportions. Think about that. It's astounding what's going on there, and it's being done without your permission, but with your weapons. So today I will force a vote with Senator Murphy's help, who's been a prime mover in this, to tell you the truth, and done a great job in bringing people together. But we will force this vote for these children in Yemen because we have a chance today to stop the carnage. We have a chance to tell Saudi Arabia we've had enough. The question is, should we give money or arms to Saudi Arabia at all? What has Saudi Arabia done over the last 30 years? They have been the number one exporter of jihadist philosophy, the number one exporter of let's hate America, let's hate Judeo-Christian ethic, let's hate the Judeo-Christian tradition. It's coming from Saudi Arabia. They teach it in the schools in our country. They teach it in the schools in Indonesia. They corrupt the religion of Islam throughout the world. And we're going to give them weapons? I think it's a huge, huge mistake. And I do believe there should be rules about who gets our arms. I don't think we should sell them to Saudi Arabia if they might wind up in the hands of ISIS. I don't think we should sell them to Saudi Arabia if they punish people for protest, if they punish people for speaking out by beheading them and crucifying them. I'm not for selling them a rifle, much less precision-guided missiles. And you know what's going to be amazing? In the coming days, as we talk about Saudi Arabia, a lot of people are probably going to try to pin it on Donald Trump just because... And you know what's sad? Here's a clip of Rand Paul from 2016. 
Under President Obama's watch, we have uh, sold a hundred billion dollars worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is an extraordinary elevation of the arms race there. And everywhere you look in the Middle East, you see U.S. arms, often fighting against other entities using U.S. arms. When tanks rolled in from Turkey, they were U.S. tanks, and they fought against Kurds who were using American weapons. North of Aleppo, you saw Kurdish or uh, Pentagon-backed Kurds fighting CIA-backed Syrian moderates. So right. it's a bizarre notion that we have arms all over the Middle East, and it doesn't seem to be uh, elevating stability. It seems to be increasing chaos. Everybody wants to talk about all the domestic problems here in America that we're having against each other, like like uh, uh, progressive social justice warriors Antifa fighting, Lost Boys, the Lost Boys in general, uh, what's going on here? No attention being paid to what your senators and congresspeople are doing with American arms and American money, not here but abroad, in the entire Middle East. Is this going to get ignored again? That is a good question. Is it going to get ignored again? Because guess what, people? As much as you want to bicker and bitch back and forth at each other over this stupid, trivial shit that we have here, when it should be very simple here, we are doing a lot of damage elsewhere. But you don't care about it, and you don't focus on it, and you close your eyes, and you go on Twitter, and you do your hashtags about whatever other crap you want to, like Elizabeth Warren's DNA ancestry, then to talk about Saudi Arabia, how they just murdered a dissenting journalist and have been driving a war in Yemen for years. And we keep giving them money. We keep giving them fuel. We keep giving them weapons. And guess what, taxpayer? That means you are complicit. We're all complicit. The blood that's on Donald Trump's hands that the left wants to say and and cry about all the time, blood's on your hands too because this has been going on since Obama. And since before Obama with Bush. Since before Bush with Clinton. When do we wake up? When do we stop? Or do we? This whole thing's just a freaking circle. But guys, that does it for me in this week's episode of the Fritzcast. I'm going to upload it today. Fuck it. It's Wednesday. We're we're just going to put it up there. So get ready. Share it like hotcakes. Like, comment, and do your thing. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at FritzQS. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on there because I shared an NPC meme. I could get b- blocked or banned or suspended. I don't know. <laughs> NPC meme. Let me touch up on it real quick. NPC is non-player controlled from video games. So it's like if you went into the world of uh, Assassin's Creed or any open world, there's millions of non-controlled, not non-player controlled environment. They're pre-programmed to say stuff. So it's it's poking fun at people saying that they're not thinking. That's what the NPC meme is. So I did one of Jim Acosta looking in the mirror at himself, at his NPC self. 
So we'll see. We'll see if I get suspended or banned or whatever. Something something might happen. I don't know. But on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. We're on minds.com. We're still trying to figure out how to work that one out. Uh, we're on MeWe too. That's another social there's like a million different social media things popping up um, left and right right now. Uh, Facebook, I didn't talk about Facebook censorship, so you know what? I'll try to write something before the end of the week about the great Facebook purge that's going on um, because they're purging lots of pages from from Facebook uh, with no appeal process whatsoever. And now I believe there's I believe there's a, a something going towards the Supreme Court about whether or not uh, free speech is enforceable on these private platforms on the open World Wide web. It's it's very it's very complex subject and I'm I'm sure I can dive into a big episode on it. But we'll save it. I'll try to write something about the Facebook thing. I'll put it out there. And hopefully my Facebook page doesn't get banned so that I can actually put out the link and you can click it and like it and read it and all that. We'll see what happens with that, though. And as always, if you guys need to reach me, it's fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, I love you. I hope you have a good rest of your week whenever you're, or whenever you're listening to this. Hope you have a good day, good night, good evening, whatever. Have a good life. This might be the last time you hear me. I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. So, But that th- th- that's that. Shout-outs to my friends Sarcasm and Liberty. Again, love being part of that team and love the content that they're putting out. Uh, the Liberty Ginger as well. He was just on an episode of Think Liberty that I have to listen to. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. Um, uh, my friends, the political otters or the otters talking about politics, check them out on Twitter and their podcast as well. And there's a laundry list of other ones, man. There's uh, at Tweeter Side Lives on on Twitter. She's like one of the most epic people ever that ever tweeted. Uh, the redheaded libertarian. She's another one, and a dozen more paleo libertarian. Um, so many great different people that you can get in on. Uh, just pay attention to my Twitter because I give them shout outs all the time that I can remember to. Uh, and, uh, that, that's it. I'm going to stop drawing out the freaking exit thing. All right. Love you. Bye.